The following is a part of the Radio Memphis On Demand service. It originally aired live on Radio Memphis and has been edited for time. And we are joined in studio by Mr. Mickey Gregory. Hello, Mickey. How are you? I'm wonderful. It's good to have you down here, sir. Good to be here. <laughs> you're uh you're you uh you're a horn player my understanding was was you don't play much these days one step at a time one step at a time I that was long ago <laughs> <laughs> oh that uh that uh i i understand maybe again in the future yeah gotta get me some toothies oh i got you Oh, yeah, yeah, kind of hard to put a trumpet against your face without any of that going on. Yeah, if I was a saxophone player. Maybe. <laughs> Junior Walker proved that you can play without teeth, and he was playing saxophone. Yeah, that's right. I, I'd forgotten all about that, but trumpet player, you got you got to have that. Got to have some toothies. Yeah, got to have a little bit of that going on, yes, yes, indeed. Can you tell them what happened to your mouth? Well, um... We had a gig playing with Elmo in the Shades. We played 70th birthday party for Anthony Hopkins. Yes. Hannibal. Yeah, yeah. And one of the dancers dancing too close to the bandstand, and her elbow hit my horn. <gasps> Ooh. Wow. Ow. And it went rip. Ow. Yeah. That hurts. It did. Yeah. That pain didn't really bother me. Yeah. It was the pain of not being able to play. Mm-hmm. That yeah. bothered me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so uh, you've, have you talked to uh, dentists and do- other doctors, and they, are they working out a plan for well, you? Or? Uh, Hopkins did send me to a dentist in Memphis, but back then they would you do one implant at a time. Right. And there was too much damage done. To do that. Oh my! Uh, recently, uh, I found out that they had another way of doing implants, and I sent. I tried calling Music Airs, not Music Airs, but uh, uh, Chicago, where uh, Hopkins said yeah. told me to call originally, but I never got an answer. I sent them some correspondence. Right, right. I never got an answer. I sent them pictures of me, me and Anthony Hopkins after the gig to solidify who I was. That did not help. Oh no! So I sent them pictures of the fact that I get checks from the same. Uh, people up in Chicago. Right. That didn't help. So. Well, we got to find a way to get you fixed up there, Mickey, and get, Heck you, yeah. get you back on the, on the stage and playing. Well, maybe it'll happen. If well, I, not, know you, I know you miss it, though. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, that's like, that's like a freak accident, you know? It was a very freak accident, you know. And I'm, um, I never even dream of getting the implants because that's a lot of money. It is, yeah. And I was talking to a church member about three months ago and he says, well, how much does it cost? I said, about 12 grand. He said, ooh, wait. It's a lot to go through, too. 
but yeah, his wife called us saying she fixed a little meal for us. Yeah. I went to the bathroom, washed my hands. I came back, beautiful meal, and a little piece of paper sitting beside the meal. He said, turn it over, boy. I turned it over. It was a check for $12,000. Oh, <gasps> my up. goodness. Church member, Sammy Chambers. Oh, that's wonderful. So I've got the temporaries in. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. The teeth. Yeah. November 4th, I think that's next Thursday. Oh, I'm oh, that's so great. happy for you. Maybe I'll be able to pray again. I'm sure you will. I sure hope so. Hey, at least he'd be able to eat a, you know, a cob of corn. Hey. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's, uh, that's, I, I, in my youth, I played, I played a fair bit of trumpet myself and somebody had bumped into me one time and it wasn't as bad as what you went through, but yeah. I can relate to that pain. It's, it's, oh. it's like taking a sledgehammer to your face. It's incredible how painful that is. Yeah. How's the horn? Did it survive okay? Well, fortunately, oh yeah, fortunately, yeah. Had more than one horn. Yeah. I gave two of the older horns to the museum. Yeah. And I still have a couple. Good. Good, good, good. And as I know, you've uh, been a regular with Elmo for how long have you been playing with Elmo? Oh, my Lord. Oh. When I came off the road, I don't even remember how long. Been a considerable length of time. He was playing at a. I know he's been at Neil's. He's been at Neil's for like seven years now. Yeah, but this was way before that. Mm -hmm. Club right, right around the corner here, um, off of. uh, I know the name of the club, and I can't call it. I just walked in there one night. Yeah, they were playing, but it's in this area. Oh, uh, Brookhaven. The, the, the no, not the circle. It's on this side, uh, <clears throat> around from the railroad track. Uh, uh, over by the university? No. No? We're it's not too far board. from it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is it still open? Shell, but this wasn't bad. Okay, okay. Yeah. Is it still open? I don't know. I think oh, okay. So. I think it is. Yeah. Well, I know. I know. I, Elmo has a has this ability to attract the best musicians in this city. Uh, he sure does. That band is really something else, and and you, of course, being in that thing is certainly you know very indicative of that. Uh, during that time, uh, his bass player was doing all of the singing. Yeah. Uh, hey, Mickey, um, can you tell us about how you met Rufus Thomas? Yeah, I was playing one night in West Junction. Tennessee, they call it. It's uh, down off Fields Road, way down west. You go down Florida Street, and out Weaver. Oh, yeah. Club called Grady's. Pretty nice place uh, for the time. As a matter of fact, there were three clubs down there. Grady's, the Bungalow, and Little Jack Tampers. But I was playing at Grady's and one night, this guy came, stood in front of me and said, Who you, boy? I said, Who you, old, name, old man? He said, I'm Rufus. I'm sad. I said, I'm Mickey. He said, How old are you? I said, I'm 16. 
he said, you're too young to be here. I said, you're too old to be here. <laughs> he said, how much do you make? I said, whatever the audience gives me. And he pulled out a $5 bill said, here, boy. I said, thank you, old man. <laughs> he said, what's your name? I said, Mickey, what's your name? He said, Rufus, I told you that. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I got a band. I said, okay. He said, you never heard of me? I said, anybody listen to WGI ain't heard of you, Rufus. <laughs> I said, all right, we're going to be okay. <laughs> he said, would you like to play in my band? Wow. I said, I don't know. He said, would seven dollars a night make you know? I said, yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it started there. Seven dollars a night. Wow. Yeah. wow. I'm surprised you didn't say, well, you're two dollars short, Rufus. <laughs> <laughs> well, some nights I didn't get two or three dollars. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Back in those days, that seven dollars would carry you well, too. Yeah. Rufus had the, the number one band in the city. Yeah. The real musicians, all of them were what you would call the jazz musicians that played whatever. Uh, it was Memphis's best. Oh, yeah. If you wanted to hear the best musicians and you were looking for them, go listen to Rufus's band because prior to Rufus coming on, they would do a lot of jazz tunes. Yeah. And Jeff Grill on drums, um, Kenny Banks on bass, uh, Joe Briscoe on tenor, Harvey Simmons on tenor. All these guys could play. And I began to learn to play the tunes that they were playing. So I, I don't know. By the time I was... 18, I was playing pretty pretty good. But I left the city with a blues band, Roscoe Gordon, uh -huh. 1957. We took the blues everywhere. Just this life out on the road, yeah. Just, just I, I get that's got to be quite the interesting education for an 18 year old. It was, it was, it was great, but it was also the first time that I got stranded. <laughs> You got stranded. We went back to Houston, Texas. Roscoe was supposed to do a recording. Yeah. And he uh, he left us out in the station wagon. We had a 57 Pontiac station wagon. Roscoe had a 57 pink Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> he went into the studios to talk to Don Roby. After a while, Roscoe comes out of the studio flying towards the Cadillac. He jumps in it, pulling off. Don Roby comes out and he's firing a pistol. Then he uh -oh. tells us to get our equipment uh -oh. Uh -oh. out of the Pontiac. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to call my grandmama to get home. It's <laughs> <laughs> a long bus ride home, I'm sure. A long bus ride home. Hey, did you... Uh were you under Mr. Abel in the schools teaching? Did he teach you in any way? No, Emerson came to Manassas uh, the year after I left. Oh, okay. I was under Matt Garrett, 
Okay. Uh, Goodrich and Andre Horn. Okay. And this was at Manassas. Yeah. Was wasn't that where Jimmy Lunsford was? Wasn't he? He's I'm not that old. I know that, but but I know that his legacy was kept through Manassas. I oh, think yeah. so many good players came uh-huh. out of Manassas. Yeah, well, there was the Lunsford two two beat that was was oh, so huge. Yeah, days, that was walk through the halls and <clears throat> uh, with your horn and the principal James Ashtonays, boy, you a trumpet player? Yes, sir. You heard of Jimmy Lunsford? Yes, sir. What do you know about Jimmy Lunsford? If you don't know anything, you got to bend over and he get you through. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, you learned then. <laughs> Fortunately, I knew. You so. knew. <laughs> and it was a pat on the back. And there you go, young man. Off off you go. Well, I knew quite a bit because after Lunsford's family left, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of uh, uh, the uh, Walker family. Yes, yeah. I've heard uh, of the Walker family. Jenny Walker. Yeah. But Shani's uh, oldest brother, that was BB's bus driver and manager. Yes. When uh, Jimmy left, Mr. Hayes used to pay uh, the Walker guy to keep the band going. Right. Until he found another band director. So, how did you come to hook up with Mr. Hayes then? Mr. Hayes was the first one at Manassas. I mean Isaac. Isaac Hayes. Isaac, yeah. When he moved to Memphis, he moved right around the corner from me. As a matter of fact, it was uh, three of us in the area where Isaac moved that were, I was a wannabe jazz musician. Uh, and there was also Lucius Coleman and George Coleman. George ended up being tenor player for Miles Davis. But Lucy would never leave Memphis, and we would be doing practicing. And Isaac walked up one day. I think he was at the time. I think he was about eleven years old. And we found out that he could sing. He knew just about every ballad in the American Songbook, and he had a beautiful voice. And that's uh, really the way we got sort of hooked up. Wow. So, so how old were you when you first picked up a horn? Hmm. My first uh, ninth grade year of high school. Okay. Yeah. Mr. Garrett gave me a horn that had as many holes as a sieve. (laughs) (laughs) And I put a lot of gum in those holes. He told me if I practiced that horn, by the time we got ready to go into the concert period, which is after Christmas, he said he would give me a fourth chair on trumpet. I practiced that horn, and he gave me a better horn. And the fourth chair. And the fourth chair. <laughs> <laughs> you got to start somewhere, and that's wonderful. Um, uh, Mickey, we got to we got to pause here uh, for a moment, but uh, but I want to I want to play some of the stuff here that you were you were on. Of course, uh, the Hot Buttered Soul record was that was yours, wasn't it? That was uh, that was uh, Isaac's first record. Yeah, that's a great well, record. Not really the first one, but that's the he big did one. One called Presenting Isaac Hayes. I think he bought one, and I bought one, and that was it. Is there is there a particular song off of that record you'd like for us to play, that you'd like to hear? Um. Uh, 
starts beginning with uh, Phoenix. Oh, by the time uh, by the time I get to Phoenix. Yeah, because that's about the only one I mentioned in the book that I'm writing about Isaac. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, Did it's. You know that? Yeah, that's a. I didn't know what you. <laughs> that uh, that track is uh, it's a it's a it's an opus. It's it's eighteen minutes long. It's wonderful. It's worth every every second. I never of, said do the whole track. Yeah, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the whole thing, and uh, we're gonna do that. That took up, I think, one side of the whole record, didn't it? Well, no, we there was, didn't. There was, there was one of the ten, and it was just hyperbody, cinematic, esquadronistic, and walk on by. Yeah, and one woman. Yeah. Making my home rather ones making me do wrong. Well, uh, let's pause here, Mickey, and uh, I got to hit this news right here, and then we got to put a little commercial break, and then we're going to play by the time I get to Phoenix, and we'll come back and we'll chat some more. Is that okay? Okay. Great. It's good to have you here, Mickey. Good to be had. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's a lesson for you, Natalie, right there. Here's your uh, your evening news from our friends at FSN. Don't run away. From Feature Story News in Washington, I'm Jagruti Dove. Ahead of the COP26 summit in Glasgow, leaders of the world's richest countries agreed on the need for meaningful and effective action on the 1.5 degrees climate goal, but they did not put forward clear actions. In a joint statement after their meeting in Rome, G20 leaders also said they would end public funding for coal-fired power plants abroad without setting similar domestic targets, echoing a move announced by China last month. Activists have criticised the statement in Rome for not going far enough. Greenpeace said it lacked ambition and vision. But others argue the G20 has made progress by recognising the severity of the climate crisis, a point also made by Italian Prime Minister and G20 President Mario Draghi. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres tweeted he was leaving Rome with his hopes unfulfilled, but at least they are not buried as he looks ahead to COP26. As the two-day summit wrapped up in Italy, U.S. President Joe Biden described the first in-person meeting since the onset of the pandemic as fruitful. Our correspondent Julia Sun watched the president's speech from New York. Climate change, global vaccine distribution, economic recovery and supply chain hiccups. These are the issues President Biden focused on in Rome. His core message, America wants to solve problems with everybody. Biden opened the press conference on Sunday by talking about, quote, the power of America showing up and working with our allies and partners to make progress on issues that matter to all of us. Biden announced that the world's first trade agreement based on how much carbon the countries admit is in the work with the EU. This comes as world leaders are on their way to Scotland for the climate summit. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki has tested positive for COVID-19. She was due to travel to Europe with US President Joe Biden, but before his departure, she cancelled her plans, citing a family emergency. In a statement on Sunday, she explained that emergency was members of her household testing positive for the coronavirus. She says she's been in quarantine since this discovery, adding she last had contact with the president on Tuesday, and they were both outside, sat more than six feet apart, wearing masks. 
tasks. She says she hasn't had close contact in person with the president or senior White House staff members since Wednesday. Saki credits the vaccine as the reason why she's experiencing mild symptoms. The 42-year-old aide plans to return to work in person after quarantining for 10 days and after getting a negative rapid test result, which is not CDC guidance but required by the White House. President Biden received his Pfizer booster jab at the end of September after it was approved by the FDA for some Americans. From bureaus worldwide, this is FS. You wanted the rest? Well, you got the rest. The fattest afternoon drive show in the world. Radio Memphis in the afternoons with the heavyweight chumps. Join us weekdays from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Central Time to hang out with your twang out. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just text CREDIT, C-R-E-D-I-T, to 357-911 right now to get started. That's CREDIT, C-R-E-D-I-T, to 357-911. Auto financing the easy way. Text CREDIT to 357-911. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-319-3429. That's 800-319-3429. 800-319-3429. Radio Memphis in the mornings with Rick Cheddar. Weekday mornings at 9 central on Radio Memphis. Oh, if you hung out real bad, 
case of jealousy, love can make you mad. Everybody, everybody's got his own thing. Everybody's got his way of doing a thing. I wish I'd attempt to do a tune that is very popular. And it was written by one of the great young songwriters of today. I don't know what he was thinking about or what inspired him to write this tune, but it's a deep tune. It's a deep meaning to this tune because it shows you what the power of love can do. And I shall attempt it to do it my way, my own interpretation of it. Like I said, everybody got his own thing. I'm gonna bring it on down to Soulsville. I want you to bear along with me for a few minutes while I set it up. Now I want your imagination. I want you to travel with me. Oh, come on, come on, come on. This young man was raised in the hills of Tennessee. When he reached the Asia maturity, he moved to the West Coast. And he fell in love when he got out there to this young girl. Oh man, she was out of sight. She was bad. started dating and then the inevitable came engaged and they were married mm-hmm. they were happily married that's right they lived in LA Girls, I don't mean to come down on you. But this man loved this woman so he knew they said love is blind. He could see no wrong, no, no, no. He worked every day. And sometimes he pulled overtime, double time, triple time. He bought anything that this woman's heart desired, anything that he could drink and scrape. Spent his last dime on a woman because he loved her. You know, girls, you can take love and kindness sometimes for weakness. And she took it for granted. She said, I got a fool, and I know I got a fool. I got a good thing. Yeah, she was standing around on the corner. You understand? Meet with a friend. She would go to the beauty salon, get a half fix. She'd go shopping. And she would brag about her good thing that she got. Out on it. nobody gonna believe what you tell him, no way. Fool. Oh, yeah, girls, you do like that sometimes. But one day, one day, 
Oh boy, I got sick. And they had to come home. I don't have to tell you what they found. Oh, it hurt him so bad. He said, baby, mama, why? That's all he could say. That's all he could say. He was hurt. But she said, oh, gone doing it, but the man wasn't doing it, but that's the only excuse she could give him. He said, Mama, I can't take it. I got to leave you. I'm going to leave you. He packed his little rag, you understand? And he started out the door. And when he reached the driveway, you understand, he went in that bag just like my man Tyrone Davis. And he said, Oh, Mama, 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 can I change? You see, the power of love was upon him. And he came back. Oh, yes, he did. Well, she tried to straighten up. She said she was going to straighten up. She got a little job to help him out with the bills, too. But that was just a sham. Because he found it again and again. And seven times he left this woman. And seven times he came back. Oh, but you know, the heart can take so much. That's right. You can kick a dog around for so long, and he'll get tired. He'll turn. And he'll take all that he could stand. And the eighth time that this went down, he said, Mama, I got to go. With tears in his eyes, he said, I'm going to leave you, baby. He said, I ain't coming back. He said, I'm leaving my heart right here. But I got to go. Because this man can't take no more. She didn't believe it. He packed his clothes. He got in his 1965 Ford. He started out. Three times he started to turn back. Before he reached the outskirts of the city. But he kept on going. Oh, I don't want to go, but I got to be your mama. And he's going down the highway. I guess it was around 3.30 in the morning. He could hardly see the road with tears in his eyes. That's right, he was crying. They were meeting on his chin. He could have barely seen the side that red on the side of the road. The next town, under 25 miles away. And these very words came into his mind. He said, By the time. I get to Phoenix She'll be rising Oh, and she'll find 
Isaac Hayes at Radio Memphis from the Hot Buttered Soul record there. And by the time I get to Phoenix, I'll, you know, that's, that's such an adorable song um, is, you know, all 19 minutes of it. It's wonderful. Absolutely brilliant. And uh, the man responsible for the uh, horn arrangements and playing and the trumpet lines on that. Mr. Mickey Gregory is here in the studio and we're thrilled to have him here. Um, I, I was sitting here looking through my notes here too, Mickey. You, you're uh, not just uh, a player and an arranger, but you are quite the composer, sir. You have quite a list of tunes that you have have written. Yeah, I've written a few. Uh. <laughs> just just a few. <laughs> There's some notables really on this. Not that many. I I just uh, Albert King asked me, "Boy, what you know about the blues? You always talk about the blues." I said, "Why? Write me a song." So, I wrote him a song, and it uh, it was a true song. It was a song I got from my grandmother. Yeah. When she found out I had gotten married. I'll play the blues for you. Was that the tune? No. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's called Drowning on Dry Land. Oh, Drowning on Dry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. She okay. found out I had gotten married, and she went bananas. <laughs> <laughs> what do you know about the girl that I don't know? She went and she said, I, I'm going to tell you a story about a little dog that couldn't see too well. She said he was sitting beside the railroad track and the train cut off part of his tail. She said he never looked up. He just peeped over the rail. 
lost his whole head over a little piece of tail. <laughs> I love that. Wow. I got lost some pretty nice size checks off that song. I bet you did, yes. Yeah. And that was one of those uh, TV things that still goes on. It, oh, yeah. As long as that one segment was called Drowning on Dry Land. Yeah. So how, how, long, how long were you married to that woman? Jesus Christ, you know it was too long, Lord. Through uh, six children. Wow. So she wasn't just a piece of tail. Well, she just had some problems that I didn't know about at the time. Well, that happens. Mm. That happens. Yeah. That that it does. Yeah. So well, it, well, truly heard that were some inherent problems that she couldn't have done anything about. Anyway. You know, uh, she had some problems from birth. Uh, unfortunately, these problems had kind of got worse with age. Yeah. Yeah. Right now, I support. I fully take care of my 61-year-old daughter that has same schizophrenic problems. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, have another daughter that. Super and does fine. I thought one day she'd be a lawyer, <laughs> but she's fine. It keeps a good job uh, for the government. As long as you know, just take your medicine. Well, God bless you. I mean, um, we all deal with these things. Yeah, yeah. We call it life. That's right. That's life. That's yeah, that's just life. You got to play the yeah. cards you dealt with. Yeah, but my heart just ain't buying. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it's uh, I, I look upon your body of work as as being, you know, well, it speaks for itself. I mean, it it, it must. Do you, do you think back about the these these songs that you've recorded and that you've been a part of? Do you do you look back on all this with all nothing but great fond memories? Or, I mean, I know it's a job, but well, it came to the point that <clears throat> I, when Isaac asked me to write those two songs, I guess it might have taken me an hour. Really, just and he to, knew yeah. that I had this uh, ability, but he never would let me write anything prior to that. As exactly now, I became highly urinated because of that. Oh, really? And if yeah. You don't know what urinated is? Pissed off. Pissed off. Yes, <laughs> I, I knew it the second you said it. I, you know. <laughs> he uh, went to Europe to take care, of, try to straighten out some business, and. When he came back, uh, he paid my rent up for a year. And he said that he had rented uh, this place in Marietta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. And when he came back second time, we were going to move in there and we were going to write for a year. And then we. And I'm saying, okay, what am I going to do with my wife and these children? He says, well, they're going to have to suffer like mine. I'm saying, no, can't happen. Yeah. And uh, that was, that wasn't the first parting. We had a, we parted before that when he decided to do the Church of Scientology. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I yes. was born a Jesus boy and I'm going to die one. Yes, sir. I guess that's why my church member gave me that $12,000 check. It's just the way I am. Well, that's a blessing that that you can't really put into words. That's oh, a yeah. that's a beautiful thing. It really is. So we had uh, we parted company because I wouldn't join Scientology. Then after they did him so bad, you know, man, God, I need you to come on over. I said, No, you want me to find out how they're screwing you so you can get us both killed. But I ain't ready to die. No. No. I said, I fight any one person, but I can't fight that organization. Right. I just can't do that. Right. They're too powerful. You know, we had the, the Johnny Baylor problem. Yeah. It, wasn't, yep. it was, wasn't a secret that I had plotted to kill Johnny Baylor. That wasn't a secret. And I had it set up, but at least I got him to leave town that same day we had a confrontation. Yes. He knew that. Memphis wasn't a place for him to be. Memphis, and it's and it's it still is. It's a tough town, and it, every musician that has ever worked here has had stories of just how tough it can be. One of the things that comes to mind, I know Mark will know about this, uh, is, is the stories of, of Cash McCall and what he went through as a songwriter. You know, working with different companies and and how these corporate people were just taking everything. They just they just took everything from these guys, from from you guys, from you, from from people that sat there and did the work every day. We already know. Yeah. You know, if I had a hundred dollar bill for every song I have in a Cadillac in a catalog right now, I'd probably. <laughs> You'd have more than just that Cadillac, I'm sure. <laughs> I, mean, I meant catalog. Cat, I know, but that's but I see what you're saying. Uh, I do have a Cadillac, though. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, you should. It's not pink, is it? <laughs> it's orange. Well, I'm glad it's not pink. Oh, beautiful orange. <laughs> it's sure it's the last uh, Eldorado that Isaac bought for me. Wow. 75 Cadillac Eldorado. Ooh, I bet that's worth oh, a lot of money right now. My, my garage oh, right wow. now. You, you still take it out every once in a while? No. no you don't want to no. drive it around? It needs uh, really to be restored. To, uh, it sat out in, in the weather for a long time. Yeah. Long, I mean, it was drivable, but not only did the seats get all messed up, but the cover got messed up. And I just yeah. didn't even worry about it. Yeah. And when I moved to where I am now, I put it in the garage, and mm-hmm. that's where it's been for the last ten or twelve years. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about Watt Stacks. You played you played Watt Stacks, didn't you? Yeah. That was a phenomenal moment of time, right there. Yeah. It was really, really. <clears throat> it was an interesting gig. We had uh, over a hundred thousand people. And I think the admission was a dollar a person. Yeah. Yeah. What well, What was that like yeah. playing in front of that many people? Oh, it was. Uh, we played with big audiences. Prior to that, we did it in in D.C. We uh, had a big audience like that. But this was like behind what had transpired. In uh, California, we never knew what may happen. Right. And uh, even though they 
it was packed. Mm -hmm. And people started climbing over the fences mm -hmm. and shit. Rufus Thomas got out on the stage. I've seen this bit of footage. This is go ahead. This is remarkable. And uh, by the grace of a loving God, he got the kids to stop coming over the fence and made everybody get back from the bandstand and sit down. Yeah. Yeah. It was remarkable. He had that talent, didn't he? Huh. That was a power. I mean, he could hold an audience in the palm of his he hand, and he it. could make them do whatever he wanted. He could do it. He stand up and. <laughs> he'd give you he'd give you that look yes <laughs> so it's come kind of to be known after all these years as the blackwood stock did you have any idea at that time that it would kind of like hold some historical significance no no well i uh I knew that what we were doing with Isaac would forever last. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, I believe it would have continued on had Dale Warren not have, he passed. Mm -hmm. He's a young guy. Uh, wherever we went, even Carnegie Hall, mm -hmm. the whole crowd of the bourgeois had to clap when Isaac introduced Del Warren mm -hmm. to watch him direct a symphony orchestra was a work of art. Oh, he I could imagine. do, I mean, he was a viola player himself. Mm -hmm. And uh, the arrangements that he did around what we were doing mm -hmm. after we did the, you know, the initial uh, tracks, mm -hmm. what Dale would I think, for me, when we did the Beatles tune, something, mm -hmm. I, when I listened to it, I listened to it without even hearing Isaac. Mm -hmm. All I hear is what Dale Warren did with you. Know, yeah. When it first starts off, you know, it's like, um, I, it's a symphony. Yeah. It's a real symphony if you can just take Isaac's voice out of your head. Yeah. And listen to what Dale did with that song. Mm -hmm. I want to play something from the Wattstacks stuff. We were talking about that off the air. What was yeah. the, which was the tune that we had talked about playing? Uh, was it... Uh, the one from Black Moses. Um, I stand, was it I Stand Accused? No. Um, Never Can Say Goodbye? No. No, I don't think it was out. Uh, where is it? Uh, what have I got here? Uh, Part-Time Love, Soulsville, theme from Chef, uh, your, love don your Love is So Doggone Good. The crowd loves Soulsville. Soulsville. Can, yeah. we, can we play that one? Yeah, the crowd really dug it. All right, well, let me grab this little break here, and we'll play Soulsville from Wattstacks, and uh, we'll come back and chat with uh, with Mickey. Uh, Mickey Gregory's here for a little while longer, and we're going to continue on with our discussion about Isaac Hayes and many of the other things that have happened out there. So uh, so stick around. You listen to it right here at Radio Memphis. Don't run away. This next tune is taken from... Also taken from the album. From the soundtrack of Shadow. 
And it's, you can say it's a mild form of protest. You can also say it's an informative tune because it tells about the situation in the ghetto. Now, we know about it. We're going to let the outside world know what's happening.
particular tune is for all the lovers that uh, it's for all the lovers that quarrel sometimes. It's also for the lovers that quarrel all the time. And it's also for the lovers that say, proclaim they never quarrel. Because whenever you have one of those violent arguments, in order to keep your thing together, I feel like you should say this to each other and mean every word of it. I never can say goodbye. No. I never can say goodbye. Even though the pain and the heartaches seem to follow me wherever I go, though I try and try to hide my feelings, they always seem to show. Then you try and say you're leaving me, and I always have to say no. Tell me why is it so? Ah, I never can. Say goodbye, no. 
From Wattstacks, Isaac Hayes never can say goodbye. I love that. That's what he says, like, how long that me and Cindy Kirk, you know, we've been together where we made five hours a night. <laughs> Sometimes just some corn whiskey. <laughs> Playing over to West Memphis, Arkansas. West Memphis, known as Little Las Vegas, we've heard they back in the day. Called the Bebop Hall. <laughs> Anything a lot of jazz you? Played over oh yeah, yeah. But West Memphis was a jazz That's town, man. It stayed open, home. stayed open all night, didn't it? Ran all night. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You could kind of get away with anything over there, couldn't you? Lucius Coleman, George Coleman, all heavy musicians from Memphis want to jam. We're going to be by Paul after you get through playing. After you get through it, Bill, run over to West Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the stories that cannot be told. <laughs> uh, we've 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 heard of the things that uh, you know what it was like for younger musicians that that came through those those doors and how yeah. much how much you learn how much right you know as a showman you know what what it what it takes to be a showman in a place like that yeah, three three guys that I was in high school with Booker Little. Uh, Frank Strozier and Hal Maven. They, uh, I guess, uh, Frank is still playing. I suppose he's, well, I hope Frank would be 84. I don't know. Booker died very early, but, uh, Max Roach had just hired him after Clifford Brown. Oh, wow. When Clifford died. And, uh, he was phenomenal on trumpet. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was wow. Uh, when you were uh, when you were learning trumpet, uh, were there were there any artists that you uh, that you listened to that you that inspired you to play or or uh, that you wanted to play live? I was a kid that could not afford a record, oh, or an instrument. Okay. I was grown and out of school before I got my first horn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was this uh, little orphan kid that I guess I could say the the church found the uh, my mom never wanted her mother to have her baby I see she designated the person that she wanted to have her child and she didn't make a mistake not at all this woman was wonderful she was the only mother I knew and one day, just we all went to the same church, the pastor said, it's quite a shame that Miss Reed gave that dead girl's baby away. And that kind of made this lady just deliver the baby to my grandmother. I see. As a result of that, <coughs> my aunt was only, my mother's sister was 11 years old. My grandmother dropped that baby on that 11-year-old girl. Wow. Oh, wow. And that 11-year-old girl would sit at that piano. Anything that, that Nat Cole played, she played. By the time I was maybe six years old, I knew the words to every song in the American Songbook. Oh, wow. <laughs> but I was never interested in piano. Yeah. Just had no interest in it, in it at all. And every now and then... At night, if my grandfather wasn't listening to Gabriel Heater in the news about the war, 
Yeah. I get a chance to hear a little Louis Armstrong or a little Harry James. Nice. No, oh, yeah, I would imagine that the at your youth the big band thing was a was was a thing. I mean, it was that was it, the early days of rock and roll. It was the big band thing when I was a kid. Was the thing. That's why you heard, you know, Harry James. Uh, I was just never interested in R and B. Yeah, I was like my aunt uh, could have been a jazz pianist. Yeah, she could play. And you know, I could I I could hear things that uh, hear tunes that she would be playing, and I got so I would be humming, and she would look at me like, "Do that again," you know. Yeah. She might be playing. Look at me, and I said, "But thumbs up, lead it, lead up." Wow. <laughs> I began to hear changes as a child. Yeah. Wow, that's There's amazing. No one note from another. Yeah. But, but you understood the phrasing and where it was supposed I, to go. Yeah. So you're born with that. I was born with Yeah. It. They said my mother was also mm-hmm. a piano player. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it was an inborn thing. Did you ever get into the the... The real jazz scene, I guess. I guess it was the fifties and sixties, where you had you know I the played, Coltrane's and you know. I played, uh, did you? Were you working in those scenes? When I came back to Memphis from where, probably Cleveland, because I did most of my bebop playing in Cleveland, Ohio. I was a product of my mom had a sister that moved to Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, as a very young girl and married. At 15 years old, man. So I was sometimes I'm at in Memphis at Manassas. Sometimes I'm in Cleveland at Kansas Elementary or or Rollins Junior High or East Tech back at Manassas or whatever. So um, I got I have this uh, uh, my cousin. We all called each other brothers and sisters because we came up in the same house. But she married a jazz uh, organist. His name was Eddie Backus. Yes. And I played with Eddie a lot. Uh, Eddie's son, pretty good jazz player. As a matter of fact, he played with Pieces of a Dream for years. He's Eddie Backus Jr. So, did a lot of playing with Eddie in Cleveland and in, in Memphis, uh, one night, I had just gotten a job, and I went downtown to get my horn at the pawn shop. <laughs> I walked from downtown Memphis. I was going way, we lived in South Memphis, I can't even think about on the street called Marjorie. Yes. Way out, and I passed this club, and they were playing I mean, they were really jumping. I was going to keep going because I had this little sack of funny grass in my horn case. I understand. Yes, sir. And the police car <laughs> came and shined a light on me and blew their horn. I heard him say, come here, boy. Uh-oh. I ignored it and walked on up in this club. Uh-oh. I walked into the door where I heard the music with my horn. And there was a guy in there playing by the name of Herman Green. 
Oh, oh the Dr. Yes. Herman Green. I yes. love Herman Green. He had this trumpet player named Calvin Graham. Yes. And I'm listening to what they were doing. And then uh, Herman said, come on, come on, come on, come on. And uh, I went up. He said, can you read? I said, yeah. And I can't ever think of the name of this tune that they were playing, but I, I used to really love to play the tune. So I remember was standing back looking at me like <laughs> <laughs> and Graham was standing over <laughs> that night not only did I get the, the gig but I realized that Andre Horn owned the club. Uh-huh. My high school band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that kind of put us together. And I started doing other things for Andre. Uh, when Isaac did the, the Hot Butter Soul album, I was working in the daytime for Andre Horn, and we were putting together a thing called Living Lawns. I had taken a a course in horticulture. Yes, sir. And we would have been the first company to have the underground water sprinklers for lawns. Right, right. Well, when Bubba Hayes said, come on, man, I started my way. And uh came a time when Andrew wanted me to get uh, Isaac to get him out on the road. Well, at the time, Dale had died. We we could have used him when we got another man out of Detroit. But uh, Andre, I mean, Isaac would always say, man, Mr. Horn too old. Mr. Horn too old, man. Mr. Horn too old. But the, the director we had in Dale's place was just as old as Andre, but he was doing pretty great arrangements. And... Uh, I would tell Andre, man, I just try to tell him anything. But one day, Emerson Abel, after I started, after Shaft, I started using saxophones and, and horns out of Memphis. So Emerson was at the studio. He brought Andre over. Well, Andre, Isaac is this type of guy. If you wanted to meet him, it was always, man, I don't want to meet that cat. I don't want to. But if somebody just happened to bring you up in his presence, he swear to God, man, I've been trying to go. Just that kind of cat. That's, that's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> that is funny. So when Emerson brought Andre over and said, hey, uh, boom, boom, well, then Andre became uh, the... Uh, <coughs> the band, you know, directing the band, which, you know, wasn't something that was hard to do. But uh, that that turned out to be the beginning of a lot of bad endings. Am I still on this thing? Yeah. Oh, You're, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, we're on. No, you can say whatever you want. No, I mean, it's, no. you know. Uh, but that turned out not to be. I mean, but that's, the, like you said earlier, that's life, you know? You, you find yourself in situations that 
don't always pan out to be just right, you know, or the things that we wanted or the things that we had always aspired to do. But, you know, you, you sir, have been a part of some of the most uh, iconic music that's ever been out there, that's ever been put out there. And, it, and like you said, you knew that when you did Hot Buttered Soul that that was going to stand the test of time. If you don't tell the stories well, now, we're not going to ever hear them. We're not going to know about you it. Read about it. Hey, you got a book you're working oh, on. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah, you said you. Yeah, that'll be good. But uh, for me, the Andrew Horn thing was the biggest mistake ever made for the Isaac Hayes movement. For me. Nobody knows this but me, even though I told Isaac. He didn't believe it until something transpired right. with Fonzie Jr. to let him know that I was right. But, uh, I'm going to take uh, one more break here, Mickey, if you don't mind, and I was going to play uh, Part-Time Love from Wattstax. Okay. And... Um, you know, I may sneak another one in here too, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up and uh, send you on your way here on your Sunday night. And I I, I can't thank you enough for being here. Uh, it's, it's what a pleasure it's been it, having it really you here. But we're gonna have a few more minutes with you if you if you don't mind. Unless you got some, you got a date, you got somewhere to go. Yeah, she's waiting right outside. The uh, well, okay then. We'll just uh, just tell her to wait a couple of minutes longer. <laughs> she had on a bikini. I hope she doesn't freeze out there. It's a bitchy bikini, weenie yellow polka dot bikini.
Thank you. Isaac Hayes from What Stacks, part-time love. One of the uh, one of the men that uh, helped make all of this uh, r- uh, possible is here in the studio, Mr. Mickey Gregory. We're going to have a couple more minutes with him before he goes on into his Sunday night. I can't thank you enough for being here. What Mickey. a lovely this, gentleman he is, too. And I cannot wait for your book. I, 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 oh, that's for sure. You know that you you need to. Are, are, are you are you are you through it? Are you have you have you have you written most of it? Are you where are you at in that um, one? If I just got down to it, I probably could finish it. And Maybe six months. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> Maybe sooner if I really just. Could. Is he too cute or what? I love him. You're, well, you're it was nearly complete. Your stories are life lessons, I think, for any musician um, who came up. You know, I mean, you have to remember too that you know where, where where Mickey came up through. This was one of the most difficult times for any musician. Um, you know. Working through stacks, working with Isaac Hayes. I mean, I. This I would, thing here, this is in the, the book. Uh, oh, okay, yes. Did you ever see that book? This, this looks where, familiar. Yeah. This is where you can read the whole story a lot about Isaac and me from the time when he was. When kid, he was, yeah. When he was a kid, but, That's the Black Moses stuff. Yeah. Uh, that's, this is uh our contractor in Houston, Texas. Uh, oh. Isaac really liked him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We were finishing up and I had just paid him. For right, me. right. I was weird looking, wasn't I? <laughs> weird, weird looking. looking. Come on. It was the time. You know it was a time, Mickey. Man, that's it, what it was, it was all a, about. It was a time when musicians belt. made five this or seven was bucks. A solid gold belt. And it that was a little it. over two pounds. And I don't have a clue of what I did with it. A two-pound solid gold belt, and you don't know where it's at. I gave it to somebody, some gal. Well, you know, well, shit. That's at just that kind of. T- it didn't make <laughs> <much difference. laughs> so, so I, so I asked him earlier about never say goodbye. So like, why did he want to redo that cover? Oh yeah. And he said, with Isaac, it was always about a right. woman. Uh. <laughs> All the songs that he did was because of a woman. See, if it Whoa. weren't for women, there'd be no soul there'd and blues. No, that's right. That's all, that's really all that there was. There'd be no blues without women. I, I think it was Sun House that said that blues was about the relationship between a man and a woman. And there would be no blues if it weren't for the relationship between a man, man and, and a, a woman. woman right. yeah, exactly. I get it. I'm on the opposite side, so I totally understand. Well, that's why a lot of girls that sing it do it with so much passion and yeah. hatred and yeah. vitriol. But whereas guys like Isaac Hayes would get there in just that sweet, smooth, oh, panty dropping right? music. I mean, right? my God. Woo. No, no, the woman thing was really his downfall. Well, women have brought down great empires over the, yes, over the generations, yeah. too, yes, Mickey. You know how that goes. I think we're keeping him from one right now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was a- She's up in that orange Cadillac going, hey, where are you at? <laughs> meter's ticking there, Mickey. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that you're going to have your, your dental work done and get you, get you back behind a yes. horn again. What a blessing. What a blessing. And I, and I really hope that goes, that goes your way. I do, too. I, I, yeah, I know you miss I it. I want you to come back. Come back after the book's done. Let's sell some books. Yeah. I might be able to go directly into time uh, 
New York Times publishing, maybe. Okay. Yeah. They came, they sent a guy here that took pictures of me, Willie Hall, and mm-hmm. there was five of us. Mm-hmm. And the guy says, I understand you were doing a book about uh, you and Isaac. I said, yeah. He says, well, hey, when you mm-hmm. finish it, come to New York, I'll walk you right into the uh, oh. Times Square. Oh, hello. Publishing. Yeah. So, I might can do that. I can give it a try. I, yeah, you know, definitely. That's yeah. been kind of like your whole career. Let's just give it a try, huh, Mickey? Yeah, <laughs> uh, if I finish it, uh, Robert Gordon said he would take it over to the University of Memphis and give it to one of the kids to, to type as a for a grade. Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah. well, if you don't get the book finished before you get your dental work done, come back down here and play us some horn. <laughs> I would love that too. We'll get Elmo down here and uh, and back you up. And, oh yeah, yeah, that'll be big. Oh, Elmo's played right. this room before, believe it or not. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he has. We had we had band people all wrapped around. We'll get it. Willie down here to play. Well, yeah. I don't I don't want to like I don't want to piss off uh, Willie. Not Willie, but what's his name? Will no. Will Wilbur? Not not the normal drummer that Elmo has. The what? Then Huber? Huber. Huber. I don't want to piss off Huber. Yeah, well, he played, he played with... Uh, uh, he's playing with Elmo now. Yeah, but he used to play with James Brown, if I'm not mistaken. He played with Brown for a short period of yeah. time. Yeah, they're toward the end of Brown's but, career. Yeah. You know. yeah, Natalie, remember, he was at uh, with Elmo. And he was down here at our uh, drummer circle with uh, Howard. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. <laughs> i i hear it uh mickey thank you so very much my my friend uh it's so nice to have met you and um anytime you want to come down here this is this is this is for you you know okay i don't get pulled over tonight (laughs) let let your girlfriend drive for you there buddy get pulled over and they smell the alcohol (laughs) And, uh, I hope it's not midnight because that's such a pleasure for me and and my twins. Midnight. It's before it's it's before midnight. You're in good shape. Oh God. <laughs> oh, those twins. Sorry. Hey. Yeah, stop I couldn't it. get a, I, I couldn't get a babysitter twins. tonight, so I had to bring the twins. Uh, but you always carried your twins. Yeah, they are, hey. Those are Frank Nathan Stein's kids. Yeah, I didn't. T- I, yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. I was a, kind of offended. Yeah, heard of Frank Nathan. This one, he he thinks he was kin to a friend of his called. Oh, Frank. Did you, you ever heard of Frank Nathan? No, sir. Never heard of Frank Nathan Stein. No, sir. See, I didn't get that I'm either. Not, it yeah. went over your head too. It did, it did. <laughs> yeah. Nathan, the end. Frankenstein. <sighs> Gotcha. Happy Halloween here, Betty. You got tricked. No treats for you because you got tricked. Oh my God. When she first showed him to me, I Frank Nathan's kids. Frank Nathan's It was It was Albert's brother, Albert Einstein. There you go. That's right. That's right. That's how that's how that works. Hey. <laughs> right. And so, like I said, I I don't you know I only had sex once, so I I never understood how I had two children. Only well, sex once, please. Uh, 
one of them. Looks they like love each other. They really pile. stick together. Oh, as you can yeah, see. stick together. They yes, do. They, they, that they do. <laughs> they haven't aged since last year. I think I met them last well, year. Well, you know. And the year before, and, and the year, year before, before. Could, and the year before. I couldn't before. get a babysitter, so generally <laughs> they stay at the house. Because, you know, they they tend to get out of hand. One's a, little, one's a little mean. Yeah, it looks mm-hmm. like yeah. One's, one's a little cranky. So I named them Brick and Brack. Oh, and that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> the proceeding was produced by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated and originally aired live on Radio Memphis. Any offers or advertisement contained may not still be valid. All rights are reserved and copyright is held by Pirate Radio Studios Incorporated, Memphis, Tennessee. For more, look for all the RMOD players at radio-memphis.com.